Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Man, we're so grateful that you're, you're tuning in today. As the team in here grabs a seat, why don't you reach for your Bible? Uh, Zechariah chapter four is where I want you to turn today. And as you're turning there, Hopefully you got a Bible or you got something digital. I'm seeing all you guys. What's up, Steve? What's up, Harrison Morris? That's a strong name, my friend. Harrison Morris on the Zoom right now with us. Happy he's joining us. Nick Cammy in the Zoom, I see you. You look great, my friend. We're glad that you're joining us. All sorts of people. As you turn to Zechariah 4, uh, I've taken a few weeks off from preaching. Aren't you grateful for the team here at VU that brings the word? Adrian Molina, Manushka Charles, Don Cherie. Come on, let's put our hands and let's thank God for, for a house that's full of incredible voices that bring God's word to us. But I'm excited because uh, we've been taking, I took a little break and I'm really getting ready for this fall season and really where we're headed as a church. And normally if you're kind of with us locally here at VU, typically we have a vision Sunday and then we have an anniversary service. And we sort of shifted our schedule around just because there's a lot of things that we don't know. And I don't wanna bring you vision when I'm uncertain about it. I wanna bring you vision out of faith. There's a difference between being uncertain and walking in faith. And uh, we're putting our Vision Sunday in November. Can't wait to share that with you. But before we get to Vision Sunday, we thought that we would take time as a church to study a book of the Bible. And uh, this is not, you know, abnormal if you're a part of VU, but we really take God's word for what it is. We think that it's the solid word. It's, it's what we can build our life upon. And in such difficult times, in such trying times, in such a world where we have so much noise coming at us, I don't wanna just speak my opinion. I don't wanna just give you my thoughts, but rather I wanna give you God's word. And so starting next week, we are beginning a brand new collection entitled Endure. Come on, everybody in the audience right there say endure. endure. Come on, in the chat, just put that word endure. endure. That's the word of the Lord for you in this season, endure. And uh, we're gonna begin to study First Peter. Uh, we're gonna take uh, something like eight weeks to go through the book of First Peter. And I'll tell you a whole lot more about it next week. But the thing that I wanna remind you about today is that we have these journals that we wanna get into your hand. Typically, if you're at VU, we just give these out if you're in our local congregation. But because we're in this season right now, there's no way to get this to you. So one way is if you wanna get this free of charge, you can download it digitally today at vuchurch.com slash endure. If you go to vuchurch.com slash endure, you can get ahead. Next week, we'll begin reading together. We'll be soaping together. There's content. But also, I think these journals are really beautiful. Can we just show this journal for a second? Like, can I do this for a minute? What is this, like, you know, like the shop network or something, you know? But uh, this journal is really beautiful. Our team put it together. And uh, for the next eight weeks, it's gonna be our guide. It's our workbook. And you can actually get a physical copy. Uh, there is a small fee for that, $9. But if you order it today, we're gonna send it out to you next week so that you can have it in time for the study. There's a limited amount of these, but we wanna get this in your hands. Um, we know that so many of us, we, we go back through our, our VU journey and we have these journals and we can go back through what God was speaking to us, what we learned from his word. And I believe it's gonna encourage you. And if you wanna know what the vision statement is right now for your life through the next eight weeks, it's endure. <laughs> it's endure. Sometimes life's not about conquering. Sometimes life's just about enduring. And I want you to endure in this season. Zechariah chapter four. Zechariah chapter four. I want to welcome all of our VU friends and family who join us by way of podcasts, who join us by way of watching on YouTube. Can we make a little bit of noise for all the VU friends and family? Oh, come on. We can do better than that. We love you guys so very, very much. Zechariah chapter four, verse one. It says this. It says, and the angel who talked with me, came again and woke me like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold, a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it. Everyone say two. Two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. You gotta love that. Zachariah's having a conversation with the angel. The angel's giving him a vision. And then Zachariah, he does the best thing. If you don't know something with God, ask him what it is. 
But the angel's like, you don't, you don't know what this is? I thought you were gonna know what this is. Then the angel says in verse six, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Come on to the chat right now. Can you just say grace, grace? Just put it in the chat, grace, grace. Verse eight, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. Oh, today we are rejoicing over that which started small, but has become big. And shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. I want to take a few moments today on this anniversary Sunday. And I believe the Lord has given me a word just for you. Maybe you're driving in your car right now, listening to this weeks later on podcast. Maybe you're scrolling YouTube late at night. I believe the word of the Lord to you today is simply this. Preach to your problem. Preach to your problem. Yeah, today is our uh, five-year anniversary, which is just absolutely like, it's incredible. I have so many emotions running through my body today. And I think it is important that we stop and that we celebrate. Yes. At VU, we actually have this culture when it's somebody's birthday party that we stop and we pause and we do this thing, we call it an honor circle. And everybody here in this studio and all over the place, they're very familiar with honor circles. An honor circle, just so you're wondering, is when it's someone's birthday, at some point the party stops, someone pulls the plug on the DJ, it goes, and it gets silent. And everyone circles around and we just take a few moments to express our gratitude, to express our insight, to express how much that person has impacted us. I don't know about you, but I, I don't wanna wait for all the people that I love to be dead before I express what they mean to me. <laughs> How many know that's the culture we live in right now, right? That's what a eulogy is. Many times eulogies are the first time that anyone's ever gotten up and said something kind about the person. It's not the culture that I wanna be a part of. I wanna be a part of a place that day by day, I'm expressing to the people around me how meaningful they are to me. I was thinking today, like if VU Church, like if we were to stand around right now and try to do an honor circle for VU Church, how many know we would be here all day long? Because to do an honor circle for VU Church would simply mean that it would mean to honor the people who make up VU Church. And to honor the people that make up VU Church, well, that would just take us honestly, day by day, week by week, month by month, maybe year by year because I can't even begin to express how much the people of this community have impacted me inside out, have, have shown me who God is, have revealed miracles to me, have given me words of encouragement. To honor Vu is to honor one another. Because our church is not a place, we've learned that during this pandemic, our church truly is a people. It's a living, breathing thing. It's not a building, it's not a location, it's moving. And over the last five years, honestly, I have watched God's gracious hand move in such a mighty way that it leaves me humbled. I've watched people that were cold and apathetic become bold and passionate. I've watched spectators turn into leaders. I've watched church critics become church creators. I've seen God take doubters, atheists, and turn them into leaders for his kingdom. I've seen him work, bro. He's done amazing things. And five years is no small thing. Someone say that out loud. It's no small thing. Put that in the chat. It's no small thing. Victory does not go to those that go the hardest. Victory goes to those that go the longest. You want to be taken serious in this life, be consistent. Showing up oftentimes is just simply half the battle. Just bringing yourself to the moment. And for five years in a row, we didn't just start a church. We have continued to be a church. 
And as I sat down today, after a few weeks of taking a break from bringing you God's word, I really asked the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're saying to our church as we step into this next year? What is it you want me to say to our church as we celebrate and commemorate your goodness and your faithfulness and your mercy for five years? And I was drawn to this text in Zechariah. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And Zechariah is an amazing guy. He's, he's one, of the, one of the prophets in the Old Testament. He's considered a minor prophet in the Bible. And some of his history, because it's important as we read this and apply this to our lives, that we understand what was taking place. Uh, Zechariah was prophesying to Judah or to the people of God, to the Hebrew people, while they were living in exile under the Persian reign. And if you can remember, because we studied Nehemiah back in November, what was taking place was is that there was a remnant of people that had not been taken into captivity that were still hanging around Jerusalem. And with that, they began to try to rebuild the city walls. They wanted to rebuild the temple. And, and Zechariah shows up in a time when there's a remnant of people that are wanting and desiring to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. Wow. There in Jerusalem, there is a governor. His name is Zerubbabel. And he really is the people's leader. And there's a, pro, there's a priest, his name is Joshua. And Zechariah was the prophet. And so Zechariah would get a word from the Lord. And as he got a word from the Lord, he would bring it to the governor. And really the word of the Lord that Zechariah was hearing was, you need to go and rebuild the temple. Begin to build back what God had started in the past. But I love how Zechariah chapter four begins because if you notice, it starts in Zechariah chapter four and Zechariah says that he was awoken or he was awakened like a man being awakened from his sleep. We don't know if Zechariah was actually sleeping. All we know is that when God showed up, when the angel showed up, it felt like he was being startled. It felt like he was being woken up in the midst of his sleep. I wanna say this to you so clearly today. Oftentimes when God moves in your life, he will show up in unexpected moments. I wanna live my life being ready, being prepared that God wants to wake me up. You ever been startled in the night? Last night I was sleeping. I don't know if all of our Miami friends here, this wouldn't have happened everywhere, but I was, two in the morning, did this happen to you guys? An Amber Alert went off on my phone. We have flash floods here last night in Miami and at two in the morning, like I don't, that, that noise goes off and like, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, un, it's like unearthing. Like what, what's going on? What, what's happening? What did I miss? I'm checking my phone and I'm totally awake at two in the morning. And many times that's what God does. It's we're in a deep slumber. We're, we're, we're closed off to what's going on around us. We're not really awakened to the brokenness. We're not really awakened to the ruin. We're not really awakened to the destruction, to the division. We're not really awakened to the fact that people are asleep. We're not really awakened to the fact that people are dead in their sin. But God shows up and he wakes you up. And once you're awake, it's hard to go back to sleep. 17 years of age, man, I was just taking a trip with my dad. He was preaching at a conference. I was pretty asleep. I was in a slumber. I was running from God and I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't expecting it, but God woke me up. Years later, after I was in the ministry, I was serving under my dad for six years and seven years and somewhere around that seventh year, I was just doing my thing. I was just serving our church, Trinity Church. I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't ready for it. But all of a sudden, God woke me up and said, now is the time that you step out in faith and you're gonna start a church. It's gonna be called Vu Church and I'm gonna build that house. I don't know about you, but 2020, wake anybody up yet? My goodness, 2020 is a wake-up call to people. I don't know about you, but people are being startled left and right. God is waking people up. Some of us, we had so much confidence, so much faith in our job, so much faith in our money, so much faith in our leaders, but all it takes is one pandemic to remind you that is not something to put your confidence in, that is not something to put your trust in. God is gonna wake you up. He's waking people up. And it's in these moments right now that we're being woken up that so often we feel like backing down. Uh, you study what was going on there in Jerusalem and the place was divided. The place was broken. The place was in ruins. But God is waking Zechariah up with a word to say, build again. It's time to start building. It's time to get going. 
I know a lot of us right now, we are in difficult times. It's challenging times. I love the message Manushka brought to you last week. Dear 2020, it was necessary. It's incredible. We need to hear that because this is a year where we feel like we are being shaken. And so many of us were tempted to back down. Oh, but friends, when life tries to back you down, that's when you need a faith that double downs. I don't know about you, but as we're standing here on the fifth anniversary of Vu Church, I want to make a fresh commitment. I want to double down in my commitments. I want to double down in my faith. I want to double down in my convictions. I want to double down in my marriage. I want to double down in my leadership. I want to double down in my friends. I want to double down in this church. Come on. Can I get a witness out there? Anybody saying, I'm not backing down. I'm ready to double down. Zechariah, he is, he's awoken. He wakes up and this angel begins to give him a vision. And the angel says, Zechariah, what do you see? Now, this picture that Zechariah begins to get, it's incredible. What Zechariah sees is he sees a lamp. It's got seven lights on top of it and there's a bowl with it. Now, when we read it, and I just read the text to you, it sounds a little peculiar. And you might be like, what? I don't understand what this image is. But for Zechariah, it would not have been that peculiar of an image. For the image that Zechariah has seen is what we know as the golden lamp. The golden lamp was one of the essential items of the tabernacle for the temple. The golden lamp was the thing that would light the temple. Understand, in the Old Testament, God's presence was relegated to a location. The Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence was, and there was a process to get to God. There was steps we had to take to get to God. The golden lamp has lots of significance, but the most practical, but the most, the most significant thing about it is its practical significance. It lit the temple. The temple was illuminated so people could get to God's presence as the temple was illuminated. So Zechariah, he sees this golden lamp, which would not have been that peculiar, yet the thing that was sticking out to him that he did not understand was next to the bowl. The bowl is what held the oil and the lamp was fueled by oil. We're going somewhere here with this. And as he looks at it, he sees that there's these two olive trees, one on the left side and one on the right side of the bowl where the oil would go to fuel the lamp. The lamp cannot shine bright without oil. So Zechariah, he sees this and he understands the lampstand, but he does not understand the two olive trees. And so he simply asks a question to the angel. He's like, yo, what is it that, what is this? And the angel goes, you don't know what you're looking at? And he says, no, what is it? And the angel replies to him, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. This is what I want you to go tell the governor, the leader who's in charge of the building project. This is what God says to Zerubbabel as the city is in ruins, as the city is in division. I don't know about you, but anybody look around America right now, it feels like we're in ruins at times. It feels like there's division. It feels like there's all sorts of things around us that need to be built again. And he says, I want you to go tell this to Zerubbabel. Tell him it's not by might, it's nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is a good word for some people. What God is saying to Zerubbabel through Zechariah is he is saying, I want you to build again. I don't want you to stop building. I know right now it seems small. I know right now it seems insignificant. I know right now nobody can see what it is I'm telling you to build, but I want you to understand something. When you start building, it will not be contingent upon your strength. It will not be contingent upon your might. It will not rest upon your power. But rather, when you start building, I want you to know my spirit will come upon you and my power will rest on you. What's he saying? He's saying, you're going to do this through my anointing. How are we going to build? We're going to build through the anointing of God, through the oil of God, through the spirit of God. See, I don't know if you realize this, but oil is a symbol of God's spirit. And God's spirit is always an indicator of his power. Not earthly power, but supernatural power. And he said, I want you to see these lamps. I want you to recognize that you are called even in the midst of the darkness, even more in the midst of darkness. 
even more in confusion, even more in brokenness, even more in destruction, you are called to burn bright. You are called to light the path to God's presence. We as a church are called to go into the night. Light the path, light the temple up, illuminate, build again. And if you're scared and if you're fearful and if you're wondering how we go and do it, I just want you to know all you gotta do is start. And if you'll start, it won't be about your might and it won't be about your power, but rather my oil from my olive tree will fuel your lamp and you will burn bright in the midst of darkness. So he's, he's looking at this lamp and as he looks, like, what are these? And the, the angel says, tell Zerubbabel, it's not by my, it's no by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. What he was saying is, he was saying, I've got oil for you. Maybe you're watching right now and you're saying, okay, well, I want this oil. How do I get this oil? <laughs> you have to crush the olive. Anyone out there feel like 2020 has been a crushing year? For so many of us, what, what a crushing year. Maybe it crushed your business. I got a good friend right now. It's crushing their marriage. I hope you're listening right now. People feeling confused, people feeling divided, arguing all over the place. So many people wondering how, how we, it's a crushing year. But I got a question for you today. It might be the most important question I ask you all day long and all this week and all next month and maybe for the rest of this year. The question simply is this, are you being crushed or are you being anointed? See, because in the Old Testament, when a king was crowned, what they would do is they would get a horn of oil and the horn of oil, once again, was a representation of God's power. And so they would pour the oil on the king's head to represent the symbol that God's power and presence was resting upon this king. Now, I know today in 2020, if you're around church at all and you're used to Christianese, you might've heard some people after someone got done doing a really good solo or someone preached a really good word, someone goes, oh, that person's anointed. And maybe you didn't know what that meant. What does that mean that they're anointed? Let me just try to simplify that language for you. All that language simply means is when your natural touches God's super. So all of a sudden, we've all been given gifts. We've all been given talents. It's not just to sing or to preach. Some of you, your gift and your talents to make money. Some of you, your gift and your talent is to form businesses. Some of you, your gift and your talent is to design. It's to create. Some of you, your gift and talent is to organize. Some of you, your gift and talent is to delegate. All sorts of talents out there. But when someone's anointed, what it means is God takes their talent and all of a sudden he takes their natural talent and he uses it for their glory. And when he uses it for their glory, there's a step back moment where everybody looks back in gas and says, there's something supernatural going on. It's because they're anointed. But the only way that you can be anointed is that the olive, the season, the moment, something has to be crushed. Because when you crush the olive, the oil comes forth. And many of us right now today, we're going through this season and we're saying, man, I feel like I'm being crushed. I would say to you, maybe just maybe you're being anointed. Because God only works with broken things. God only works with people that have been crushed. God only works with people that know that if it was not for his grace, if it was not for his mercy, if it was not for his faithfulness, I would not be here today. Unless I'm broken before God, there is no way that my life can give him glory. It's the cracks in my life. It's the brokenness in my life. It's the deficiencies in my life. It's the issues in my life. It's the little spots in my life that all of a sudden his grace shines through and people step back and they say, yo, something different about that situation. Please write it down today. God doesn't work with perfect people. He only employs broken people. I know there's some people out there that need a job. I'll give you a job right now. But on your application, you better submit, I am broken, I am nothing, I am a sinner saved by grace, and I want to be used. I want to be used. This is what people don't know, though, Oliver. This is what people don't get, Dakota. I'm serious. Manushka, let me just prophesy to you for a moment. Your calling will crush you. That's what we don't get. Like That's because we... 
It's fun to show up on five-year anniversary, like, whoa! But they don't know that it's been crushing five years. I'm telling you, if you're gonna fulfill your, I'm talking about a God calling. I'm not talking about some dream that you conjured up in your heart. I'm not talking about some selfish desire to be great. I'm talking about when God puts a burden on your life, when God wakes you up, you better understand that whatever he's called you to, it's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be amazing. But that calling will crush you. It's gonna crush your pride. It's gonna crush your ego. You better get ready for your popularity to be crushed. You better get ready for your desires and your dreams to be crushed. You better understand that your plans will be crushed. Why? Because your oil is not cheap. And to get this oil, something's gotta break. Something's gotta give. He wants our lives to shine bright in the midst of the rubble, in the midst of the pain, but he says, something's got to break. I want you to get the vision, Zachariah, because you see the golden lampstand, which I need to illuminate the temple. It's a prophetic picture, but please understand, I don't just have one olive or two olive. I have two olive trees that are going to be funneling oil constantly into that lampstand, but it's going to take men and women who have been awakened to the God dream that say, if I need to be crushed for him, his purpose, I will be crushed. Listen to me. Your anointing is on the other side of your breaking. I'm telling you right now, hang on tight. God's power is going to show up in the midst of your pain. Come on, somebody go ahead and give him praise right now. Go ahead and give God some worship all over this place. Go ahead and just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Somebody rejoice today. It's on the other side of the breaking. It's on the other side that the anointing shows up. And when his anointing shows up, God super touches my natural and people step back and say, there's something supernatural going on. That's all I can tell you about Voo Church. It's just a supernatural move of God. Zachariah, he, he, he's woken up in the middle of the night or in the middle of the day, but he feels like a man who heard the Amber Alert and he can't go back to sleep. He says, what do you see? And all of a sudden, Zechariah, he's given a picture of a mountain. And as he looks at this mountain, he says, who are you, mountain? Now, understand that the mountain is a metaphor. It's a picture of a challenge. It's a picture of a problem. It's a picture of an issue. It's a picture of an obstacle that's in front of him. I just want you to know, you're going to always have obstacles in front of you. You're going to always have challenges in front of you. I know right now, some of you, you got the biggest mountains in front of you today. But notice what happens in the text, because as he's in the text, what does he do? He looks at the mountain and he asks the mountain a question. He says, who are you, mountain? I love that. Who are you, mountain? See, often the challenges in our life are allowed to speak to us instead of us questioning them. You ever notice that? A lot of you right now, you got some mountains in your life and you just keep listening to your mountain. Maybe you got the marriage mountain. Maybe you got the financial mountain. You got the job mountain. Maybe you got the health mountain right now. I want to encourage you today. You got to start speaking to your mountain. Zachariah doesn't just let the mountain hurl insults and say, you're not going to build the temple and you'll never accomplish this. Instead, he asked the mountain a question. Who are you? You, what's coming out of your mouth? Isn't this exactly what Jesus speaks to us in Mark chapter 11, verse 23? What does Jesus say? He says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that when obstacles stand in front of you, when you have challenges, rather than let the challenge speak to you, rather than let the problem question you, you ought to step back and speak faith. Not faith in faith, not faith in yourself, not faith in your ideas, not faith in your strategies, but you should be reminded that his power, his oil, his spirit is upon you. And so you speak in faith in the name of Jesus. Mountain, you gotta move. Listen to me, faith moves mountains. Fear makes mountains. And I have learned, I've seen this over and over again, that what you're saying, oftentimes what you're saying, you're taking something that's really small and you're making something very big out of it. 
So many of us, we don't understand this. We are making the picture worse than what it actually is. And it's because it's in our mouth. We don't recognize that we ought to talk back to the mountain. Don't just let the mountain talk to you. This past summer, I was uh, with, my, with my family in Alabama and we stayed at a friend's house. And this was one of these kind of like fun neighborhoods where everyone drives in golf carts. By the way, I think that's like, I just speak that over my life. I just want to be in a neighborhood where you get around in golf carts. I don't even know what that's about, but I'm like, this is cool. And so I would take Wyatt out in, uh, in the golf cart and we would have the, the best time. And my son Wyatt is now two and a half years of age, but in the neighborhood, there was this big kind of like straightaway. And with the straightaway, there was these big speed bumps because they wanted to make sure that cars would slow down. And so the first day I was with Wyatt, I thought he would love it. So I kind of like gunned it, you know, with the golf cart and I hit the speed bump pretty hard. And he kind of, you know, he kind of went up a little bit and he started to cry. <laughs> and uh, the next couple of days, we'd take the golf cart out. And every time we'd come up to the speed bump, Wyatt would start saying, no, daddy, I scared, I scared, I scared. I would say, Wyatt, no. And he's like, no, daddy, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. I scared. I'm like, bro, it's, stop. Like, no, daddy, stop. Finally, after a few days of him behaving this way, I thought it was my duty to father him, to instruct him just a little bit. So I pulled the golf cart over, <laughs> true story. And I got my two and a half year old son out of the golf cart. And I said, get out of the golf cart. Let's look at this thing for a second. <laughs> Together, we got down. This is literally how I talked to my son, by the way. I got down. I said, now, Wyatt, <clears throat> this is a speed bump. See how small this is? Come on, just put your hand on it. And he's kind of, yeah, daddy, you know, he's touching it. I go, see how little this thing is? I go, Wyatt, what I want you to understand about the speed bump is that the speed bump isn't designed to stop you. The speed bump is designed to regulate your speed. I got a picture as I was talking to him that so many people, because of their words and because of what they're speaking, they're adults, but they look like Wyatt. They don't recognize that because of their words, their words are making mountains out of speed bumps. And because your words have created a false reality, the thing that was just supposed to be regulating your speed has now actually stopped you. And many of you have pulled the car over in 2020 and you're sitting around and you've stopped to discuss your commitment. You've stopped to discuss whether or not this marriage should really keep going. You've stopped to discuss, am I really gonna follow Jesus? You've stopped to discuss, man, is this really what I want for my life? You stopped to discuss it. And let me just tell you, it wasn't supposed to stop you, but rather pain, suffering, challenges. It just regulates our speed. That's all it does. You can't sprint forever. It's the obstacles in our life. It's the hardships. It's the mountains that we climb that make us grateful, that make life worth living. But the mountain's not supposed to stop you. You're supposed to speak to it. And some of you have been listening to that mountain far too long. And I want to tell you and prophesy to your life for the next three months, quit listening to that mountain. Stop telling God all about your mountain. Start telling your mountain all about your God. Who are you, mountain? Who are you, mountain? Who are you? Zechariah just speaks at the mountain. Who are you? I don't know. I can't name your mountain today. I know I got some mountains in my life, but I think it's good to identify it, to call that thing out. You're not going to stop me from what God's called me to do. Watch what happens. This is good. He says, who are you, mountain? And then he literally says this. He says, you will be made plain and out of it, you will become the capstone for God's temple. You'll be made plain. Mountain, obstacle, challenge. You're gonna be made flat. You're gonna be made plain. Everything that stands in our way in the future, I'm speaking it today as a church. It will be made flat. It will become plain. Listen to me. It will become smooth. Oh, I sense it like this when I was writing it. God's going to smooth it out. 2020, God's going to smooth it out. COVID-19, God's going to smooth it out. Racial injustice, God's going to smooth it out. Your family, God's going to smooth it out. Your friends, God's going to smooth it out. Your marriage, God's going to smooth it out. Your job, he's going to smooth it out. Your money, he's going to smooth it out. 
Your God is smooth. (laughs) Make no mistake about it. He has a plan. And what I love, I love, I love is this thing that stands in front of them is actually going to be the thing that's going to help them. Please write this down today. Your mountain contains the material for your miracle. Your mountain contains the materials for your miracle. Listen to me. They needed rocks and they needed bricks to build the temple. The thing that you are so certain that is weakening you, it's strengthening you. Because God looks at this mountain and is like, yo, I'm not just going to smooth it out, but rather we're going to take all of that supply of rocks in my temple, which is in demand of rocks, we're going to actually take the rocks from the mountain and the last rock from that mountain will be the capstone. It will be the finished completion of the miracle I want to do in your life. God will take the thing that stands in opposition and literally use it for his glorification. It's just what he does. He smooths it out. We're standing here today in a studio. And I can just go through my life. So many things as I look back on my life that I thought were mountains actually became the materials for the miracle of my life. I could go all day long and tell you story and give you examples. But one right now is very, very easy to give. Because when I was 19 years of age, I had this opportunity to go and host a TV show, a Christian TV show in Los Angeles, California. Now I know when I say that out loud, that might be like really like sounds really cool. It wasn't actually that cool, but I understand it still sounds cool to host a TV show. But I gotta be honest with you. I didn't feel called to host a TV show at 19 years of age. I felt called to preach. And when you host a TV show, you don't get to preach. You host a TV show. And for almost 10 years, I would fly to LA and host a TV show. And I would go to conferences and I would go to events and I would interview preachers and I would interview artists. And I was just hosting. I was just hosting. And I remember a couple of years into it, I said, this is, this is a waste of my time. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I know God has called me to lead, pastor, and equip people through his word. I am not a television host. I know it looks cool on the Instagram, but it's not what I'm called to do. But I spoke to my dad. I said, dad, I'm quitting. I'm done. My dad said, you're not quitting. You made a commitment and you're learning. I said, what am I learning? I'm not not a TV host. He said, trust me, you're learning. Well, fast forward to March, 2020. (laughs) When our church, our dream, the doors are closed, what are we going to do? We don't have much space, but we've got a little space. We don't have a big building, but we got a little bit building. We decided to turn our office space into a TV studio. And as we started to put the TV studio together, and as we started casting vision of how we wanted to bring the word to you week in and week out, I was reminded that the thing that I complained about, the thing that stood in my way, the obstacle, the mountain that I was sure was a mountain, the Lord spoke to me and said, see, Rich, I'll even use that thing. See, Rich, even the thing that you interpreted as pain, I will put purpose on it. Oh, I sense that in my heart today. The thing that's causing you pain today actually has purpose in your life. Your mountain has the materials for your miracle. Every season you can learn. Every season you can grow. Every challenge is developing you. I just believe it, that your problems continue to be a platform. I believe your foe will actually become the foundation of how God will work in your life. I actually believe that every obstacle contains an opportunity through the Spirit of God. I believe it. I heard one preacher one time preaching. He said, you're haters. God's going to turn them into escalators. <laughs> we don't talk about haters a lot, but I believe it. I believe that everything that even was bad meant to come bad at you. God's going to use it if you'll surrender it, if you'll speak back to the mountain, if you'll operate in faith. Isn't this what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28? And we know that in all things, someone say all things that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Doesn't say some things. Doesn't say years of prosperity. Doesn't say years of unity. No, in all things. When I'm walking over the rubble of my life, trying to believe again. 
When everyone around me is divided, when the city that I love is at war, that's where Jerusalem is. But this is the picture that God gives Zechariah. And he says, give the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's time to build. I wanna say it too, that mountains today look like valleys tomorrow. Mountains today look like valleys tomorrow. Quit making mountains out of speed bumps. Pain, sorrow, division, challenges, mountains. They aren't meant to stop you. They're meant to regulate your speed. It makes you enjoy life. It makes you look around and say, oh, I didn't get through this on my own, but rather I needed him and I needed her. But more importantly, it wasn't by my might and it wasn't by my power, but rather it was through his spirit that I was able to shine. When I was in college, we used to have this, this little poem that we said in my fraternity. And I was thinking about it this week as I was putting this message together for you. The poem is really simple. We used to look together in our fraternity and all the guys, it was a fake fraternity. Don't worry about that. It was a Christian fraternity. And we would say this poem, I don't even know who wrote this poem, but it says, when I face a mountain, I will not quit. I will try to climb over it or go around it or tunnel underneath or perhaps stay just where I am and turn it into a gold mine with God's helping hand. Ooh, that's a good word to preach to yourself. Next time I got a problem, next time I got an obstacle, I'm, I'm telling myself right now, stepping into this next year at Voo Church, when I face a mountain and they will come, I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna climb over that mountain. If I can't climb over it, I'm going around that mountain. If I can't get around it, I'm getting my shovel out and I'm gonna dig a tunnel underneath. But even if that doesn't work, I'm gonna stay right here. And I'm gonna believe that this mountain will be made smooth and every material will be used for the miracle that God wants to do in my life. He's turning it in to a gold mine. If I can't get over it, if I can't get around it, if I can't get underneath it, I'll tell you one thing, I'm staying put. The devil wants to make you run. He wants to make you quit. He says, escape. He says, go to another life. Go find another church. Start another job. But I'm here to tell you the word of the Lord today is stay put. Stand your ground. Stand firm. And you watch as that thing that's in front of you is made smooth. He's going to make it smooth. He's going to make it smooth. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. If I got to go over it, I'll go over it. If I got to go around it, I'll go around it. If I got to go underneath, I'll go underneath it. But I'm not leaving. I'm staying put. Mountain, I'm done listening to you. I'm done having you threaten me. I'm done you telling me that I don't have a bright future. I'm done you telling me that my calling doesn't matter. No, I know I got to go through pain. I know that this olive of my life has to be crushed for that oil to come through. But I'm here for it, bro. I'm here for it. Five is no small thing. It's no small thing. I was studying the number five. I'm one of those kind of Bible nerds and I like numbers in the Bible. Five, if you didn't know this, is the number of grace. It's the number of goodness. It's God's mercy. There's 10 commandments in the Old Testament. The first five had to do with our relationship to God. The second five had to do with our relationship to one another. First five books of the Bible, they're known as the Pentateuch, Pena, meaning five, Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Fast forward to the New Testament, five still continues to be significant because you have four gospels, but then you add on Luke's other writing, which is Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. It's the New Testament Pentateuch. Five loaves to feed 5,000 people. Five multiplied by itself, 25. And as I think about that. I'm reminded of Jesus's words in John chapter one, verse 16, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace multiplied five times five. And you notice in Zechariah that he sees this mountain and he says, who are you mountain? You will become plain. He doesn't see the mountain become plain. He speaks to the mountain. And as he speaks to the mountain and says, the materials from that mountain will be used as the capstone for the temple. That which God's called me to start, he will finish it. Please listen to me. Whatever God starts, God always finishes. Voo Church, I know the future's bright. The only thing that we're responsible for is showing up. God's gonna keep building. God's gonna keep growing. 
but notice what he hears. He notices quickly that in the rubble, in the confusion, in the darkness, amidst the brokenness, he hears shouts. And what are the shouts? Grace. Grace. Grace upon grace. Five. (laughs) Multiply. Grace. 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 Is there a better word in our language? They say we speak about 16,000 words a day, close to 112,000 words a week, something like 6 million words a year. But in all of those words, what to you is the most beautiful of them all? Many would say love. I won't argue with it. But for me, it's grace. This word is one of these words that we have that's overused and oftentimes underdefined. Because as you go through the scripture, there's types of grace. There's saving grace. Ephesians 2 talks about that, that you and I, we did nothing to deserve salvation, but rather it's by his grace and it's simply our faith in response to him. For what does a dead man have to offer to a gracious and perfect God? He saved you out of his grace. There's justifying grace that not only did he save me, but he also justified me. I don't have to walk around in life beating myself up for there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's because of Jesus' sacrifice, the propitiation for my sins that we traded places. His blood is the atoning sacrifice. Therefore, when God looks upon Rich Wilkerson Jr., He does not see Rich Wilkerson Jr., but because I'm in Christ, not in Adam, but in Christ, I am now considered the righteousness of God through his blood. There's future grace. Woo, I like that one. Future grace lets me know that he already died for my future sins. That if he loves me today, it's proof positive. He's going to love me tomorrow. God knows everything I'm going to do, and he loves me right now. But I think my favorite is enabling grace. It's empowering grace. It's that same word that we see in Zechariah 4, that when God's spirit, when his grace touches your life, he empowers you and he enables you. It's the grace that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace My enabling grace, this is what God says, my empowering grace is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. All grace is amazing. (laughs) But here in Zechariah chapter four, as they're shouting, grace, grace from the pain. Grace, grace from the problem. Grace, grace from the obstacle. Grace, grace as the people of God are scattered. Grace, grace as the darkness is looming over them. Grace, grace as there's enemies coming after them. I believe they are speaking about the empowering grace. I believe they are shouting about God's goodness. I believe they are preaching right to the heart of their problem. I oftentimes will see people write on my Instagram. They say, Rich, um, how come you always got to shout, man? You kind of start talking. I like what you're saying, but you lost me when you started shouting. All that shouting, it was just, that. just tell it to me like it is. Just, just say it, just talk it. Just, can you just speak to me like an adult? I hear you. I'm sorry if you're watching this on Instagram, but my Bible says that they shouted, grace, grace. There are some things that you cannot say. There are some things that can't be summed up in a talk, but there are some things that are necessary to shout. And if I'm gonna shout one thing, it's gonna be the grace of God. If I got one word to preach, it's gonna be the grace of God. If I got one thing I can say to you in year five, it is grace, grace. His power is carrying us. Shouting reminds me of that word proclaiming. And proclaiming is the word that we know as preaching. And so what do you preach to your problem? You preach grace. What do you preach to your pain? You preach grace. What do you preach to your uncertainty today? You preach grace. What do you preach to your fear? Grace. What do you preach to your mountain? Grace. 
grace, grace. Year five is the year that we shout together, grace, grace, that every problem that shows up in front of us, everything that wants to stop us, everything that wants to stifle that which God has started in you. I know today you can look around and it seems small. It seems insignificant, but I wanna remind you that the same grace that started in work in us five years ago is gonna be the same grace that's gonna sustain the work for the next five. It's gonna be grace five upon grace. And he says, get ready. Anybody who has despised small beginnings, get ready to rejoice. Get ready to rejoice. Oh, I could take you down memory lane. But this church had started in a little apartment, 30th Street, Biscayne Boulevard, a little dream, a little belief, but we just said grace. This church had started with a service, a launch team, and that launch team, it launched in September of 2015, and we weren't prepared for it, but two services started showing up immediately. It was grace, grace. Before you know it, come that January, we had to go from two services to three services. And a lot of people said, I don't know if it's gonna last. Maybe it's just kind of small, we don't know. But we just said grace, grace, and three services became four services. And then we looked at it again, we just said grace, grace, and three became four, and then four became five. And five, well, that's the number of grace. We're going, this is grace, grace. We probably should get a bigger building. And so we went and found a bigger building. But then all of a sudden, when we found the bigger building, they said, nope, sorry, uh, here's a mountain. You can't have the bigger building. So we said, okay, we can't have the bigger building, but we ought to go grace, grace. So we went to six services. And we you believe it? We would preach 9, 11, 1, 4, 6, and 8, and God's grace would fall upon broken people, and people would start speaking faith. But before you know it, we're like, I don't know if we can stay in just one location. So we had to go to two locations, and two locations, it turned into thousands and thousands of people. But then March hit, and that which God was doing and starting, it began to look like maybe it could be crumbling. Maybe, just maybe, the grace had started to slow down. And we went from large gatherings to a little studio with 20 people max and pre-recording sermons. And it didn't feel like what we were used to feeling. And it didn't see what we were used to seeing. It just didn't seem right. It seemed like a mountain in front of us. Oh, but there was a remnant at Voo Church who decided to say, I sense the oil of the Lord. You see, what Zechariah did not understand about the prophecy is he saw two olive trees and he didn't know what these olive trees represented. For these olive trees represented in the story, the thing that was going to supply the oil and it was the priest known as Joshua and it was the governor known as Zerubbabel. It was the priest and it was the king. But I wanna bring some New Testament context to this Old Testament prophecy, and I wanna apply it to your everyday 2020 life. Friends, we have a priest and we have a king, and he is found in the name of Jesus Christ. And I hear the word of the Lord saying, if all we got is a remnant, if all we got is 20 people, if all I got is a Zoom, if all I got is a camera, if all I have is an Instagram, well, I'm gonna preach to my problem. And if I'm gonna preach to my problem, well, baby, here it comes. Grace, 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 grace. Not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.